0: Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. With me today, Jay Harvey. How are you, Jay? It's good to see you, Jim. Thanks for having me today. Hey, so good to be with you anytime, anywhere, but especially on this day, we're in a Starbucks.
1: I was so happy to get the email to say that we're going to do the show from Starbucks. Starbucks. Okay. Is that
0: because you're a Starbucks guy? Do the people in this Starbucks know you by name?
1: Uh, A lot of them do, and um, I I do love Starbucks. I'm a Starbucks guy and um, love coming here. What is it about Starbucks? Why, Why are you coming here? Well, for one their coffee is good but more than that it just always seems like there's life going on here you you see a different variety of people from that you know some that you don't but at the same time everybody's kind of doing their thing and uh, it's just always fun i'm kind of a people watcher and it just seems like there's always vibrant life going on inside and even outside of starbucks
0: Okay, so I'm a Seattle
1: guy. You know that. Right? I was going to Starbucks before you were born. I know. I know. <laughs> and I
0: don't even like coffee. You know, I never
1: drink coffee. We but all I'd... came late to something, Jim, and <laughs> I came right. late to, uh, to coffee and Starbucks. But, so. but,
0: you know, it's all right. You're growing up. <laughs> but even though I don't like coffee, I love coming to Starbucks. Similarly, because it's filled with life. Yes. There's always people there. And have you ever noticed this? People tend to have their Starbucks. I mean... It's in their neighborhood or it's close to their office where they work or whatever. And people even refer to my Starbucks. Right. And right right now we're in my Starbucks. Oh, maybe this is your Starbucks too. Yeah. Yeah, right. But there's a little sense of like, this is my space. This is my town. This is my community. And, you know, there's a lot of life that goes on at Starbucks. Mm -hmm. Sometimes for the good, sometimes maybe for the not so good. But, man, as a place for conversation and meetup, Starbucks has kind of uh, opened a new chapter in the modern world. And we're going to talk about that a little bit when we come back. Stay with us. If you know the story of Starbucks, you know the name Howard Schultz. This is a guy who grew up in New York City, grew up in the projects, not born with a silver spoon in his mouth. I mean, he had to work his way up the ladder so to speak he became a salesman he sold high-end coffee equipment there was a little mom and pop store in seattle that wanted to buy some he flies out there he meets up with the mom and pop their little coffee shop overlooks Elliott bay the harbor it was a sunny day he was charmed by the location and he discovered that not only did people come to this little store to buy coffee but he was struck by how they came to talk the customers came and they weren't just buying coffee they were talking to each other they were talking to the owners and so on it was a little bit like a pub without alcohol wow yeah and and schultz thinks wow i love this whole seattle deal Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i love the concept of the store he goes home and tells his wife we're moving to seattle across the country i'm sure she thought he was out of his mind (laughs) that's what they did he goes to work for the mom and pop who started the store When they retire, he buys it from them. He rebrands it as Starbucks. That original store is still at the Pike Place Market in Seattle, overlooking Elliott Bay. And then, voila, over the years, we have this phenomenon on every continent. Very few places can you go where there's not a Starbucks green logo. And one of the things about it is that Schultz conceived not just of selling coffee, which some people might say, well, it costs too much, or I don't need that. But it's more than that. It's, it's about the social interaction, what he describes as the third place, that we all need a third place. So for instance, I have a home. You have a home, Jay? Right, you like your home? I love my home. Yeah, but do you have to mow the grass? Yes. Somebody's gotta do the laundry. Right. The dishes have to get done. Exactly. I love my home, but there are things to do there. I have some responsibility. How about my job? You got a job? I got a job, I love my job. And same for me, but you know what? I gotta do stuff at my job. Right. There's some responsibility there. Those are first places and second places. Everybody needs a third place in life where you can just go and take a deep breath and you're not in charge of the dishes. You don't have to mow the grass. You can just chill. Right. You can meet up with some friends. And that brings us back to a pub, many parts of the world. Ireland, that's my right. my root place. Right. In Ireland, pubs are, are meeting places where people gather. And it's not just about what they buy there. It's who they see there. Right. Well... Schultz saw Starbucks like that. Again, it's a a pub, only they don't serve beer. They serve coffee. But it's the place where they open the door and people come. Their neighborhood pub, their neighborhood place, it's my Starbucks. Exactly. And so here we are at Starbucks. It's it's a place that's become not just about coffee or, for me, dark chocolate-covered graham crackers. (laughs) It's a place where we meet, and it's become an emblem of that. And the reason we're talking about this today is because sometimes we don't connect the sacred and the secular. Right. So, Jay, growing up, yes. what would you say? If you thought about the word God or if I need to meet God, where would you go? I'd have to go to the church. You'd have to go to a church. Right. And that was not something you normally did. No. Because no. you might know where there's a cathedral or a steeple or some stained right. glass, but right. a, You were going there.
1: No, it was uh, was compartmentalized. It was, um, this is where I go to play ball, this is where I go to school, and if I wanted to dabble in the things of God, I would have to go to a building that was called a church.
0: And I think that is a normal understanding that most of us grow up with, certainly in Western civilization, and the truth is, if you read the stories of Jesus most of what he was doing was not in a house of worship. Exactly. We know that he was at the temple in Jerusalem, sacred space, we might say, and he was no stranger there, but most of his life was not spent there. And most of the things we know about Jesus, the famous words and phrases and stories, were not delivered in a house of worship. Right. Which leads me to wonder, wait a minute. If Jesus was walking around in the flesh in our world today, where would he be giving us some of the most important knowledge we could ever find. Where would my life actually be changed most profoundly? And if I am walking with Jesus, if I was just going to be like tagging along like the disciples, where would I find myself?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It'd have to be in a place like this. Like Like Starbucks. Okay. So now
0: let's think about that. If you study the scripture, you'll find out that Jesus makes 132 public appearances. That's a lot. That's when a lot. When you think about all the stories you know about him, 132 of those are in public spaces outside of a house of worship. Okay. Okay, so he, he's going to tell 52 parables. Wow. These are these stories that illustrate life so powerfully. Things like the Good Samaritan. Right. Or people know the story of the prodigal son. These are parables that illustrate truth. Of those 52, how many do you think took place in a workplace or a marketplace context?
1: Um, I'd say 50% of them?
0: More than that. Uh, okay. 45 out of 52 oh my. are actually set in the context of everyday life. In other words, the stories aren't about, well, I was in the house of worship beneath the stained glass, and this is what I learned. Right. No, the <laughs> stories are about the son ran away from home, and right, dad's on the right. front porch. <laughs> What's he going to do? Yes. It's about the guy on the road to Jericho, and he meets the man who's been beat up and he becomes the good Samaritan because he helps the man in the ditch hmm. by the road. I mean, the stories are framed in ordinary life, and that tells wow. us that yeah. in our ordinary lives, maybe there's a lot of stuff to learn, Oh my. and if I want to explore life, and if I want to share life, maybe I need to get out of my cocoon right. and merge the sacred with the secular. In other words, there shouldn't really be a divide between, well, this is sacred and this is not. Right. Everything can be sacred exactly well all of this brings me to a story in the scripture about Jesus and I was thinking okay if Jesus was walking in the world today Mm. uh, where would he be Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking he'd probably show up at Starbucks because that's where people are that was his gig and if I were to translate the modern time into that ancient context where was a Starbucks where would you go as a meetup place in the ancient world yeah I'm thinking the woman at the well it's the well. It's the it's, well. It's the woman at the well story, famous in John chapter it's 4. The well, and right. it's where people in the community gathered because they needed something to drink. They needed water for a lot of purposes. And without running water and plumbed water into their houses, the well was that community intersection. When we come back, let's think about Jesus at the Starbucks of ancient time at the well. We'll be right back.
2: Atoning sacrifice.
0: Jesus understood that everything in life had the capacity to be transformed into something wonderful. And he was in the business of walking around and being out on the roads and the highways and the byways. He was in the marketplace. So much of his ministry took place not in a house of worship, although he clearly went to a synagogue on the Sabbath day. He was in the temple courts at times. But most of the days of the week, most of his time, most of the important things we know about Jesus took place outside of what we might call sacred space. He was making every space sacred. And if he could go to Starbucks in his ancient world, he probably would go to a place that was the community well. That's what Starbucks is in a modern sense. In the ancient world, people had to go to a well to get water. And in Samaria, he famously happens upon a well. And that story is told in John chapter 4. Jay, tell us what it says.
1: I'm going to read, Jim, starting in verse 1 and go down through ten. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please, give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Verse 10, Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. Wow. So
0: here's the scene. Jesus is traveling, he's tired, and he's gonna make a rest break. I drive a lot, I travel a lot, I promise you. Yes. <laughs> when, I, when I'm getting worn out, I'm looking for the green Starbucks logo. That's right. I don't buy coffee, I buy dark chocolate-covered graham crackers, and they also make a thing called a chocolate smoothie. Yes, they do. It's a banana, a little milk, some whey protein, a little bit of chocolate syrup mixed up into a blend. Wow, so fine, 320 (laughs) calories. It's a meal unto itself. It's a real pick-me-up. Wow. Okay, I'm just connecting to Jesus in the story. Right. He needs a break. He needs some water. He stops at, you might say, the Starbucks of the town Mm -hmm. on his way through. Right. And it says he's there alone because his disciples, his traveling companions, have gone elsewhere to buy food. That doesn't necessarily mean he's the only person at the well. It just means he's not there with his friends, right. his companions. Right. But there's this other gal there. And as you know the story, Jay, and we haven't read the whole thing, this introduction to each other at the well, he asked for some water. He's gone to the counter. Can you help right. me? Right. <laughs> he's going to turn into... A whole deep dive into life and what it means and the course of life and how it can be turned around and loss and, and gain and shame and hope. I mean, there's so much in his conversation that unfolds there. And first up, let's never forget that this woman's life is going to be changed right. at the Starbucks, so to speak. Right. right. And her whole town is going to be changed because later she's going to leave the Starbucks and go tell people what's, right. what she's found. And so the whole community is transformed, not because of a service of worship in a place with stained glass, but because Jesus was out there and ran into somebody right. and had a conversation. Right. When you come to Starbucks, Jay, do you ever find yourself in conversations that go beneath the surface? You know, they're not just superficial, but they actually dive down a little bit?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's just something about the place. It's just something about, you know, either the safety or the, um, what goes on inside of a, of a Starbucks or a place where people come that third place. They're already a little bit more relaxed. They're already maybe ready to receive something or, 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 or to seek something else. And so with just a little bit of effort, it, it can go a little bit deeper.
0: Maybe it's less threatening. Right. And it causes people to relax a little bit. Right. Or maybe it's just the nature of when you're in a in a public space like this, but you're not in an audience. Yeah. Right. You may feel known or understood or I have the capacity to share at a different level than if I'm in a row with a hundred other people or a thousand (laughs) other people or whatever. So there's there's that. Right. And I think also there is the fact that Jesus was there willing Right. To talk beneath the service. Yes. So think about the conversation that he has with this woman. Yeah. We're going to start off with, I'm thirsty, can I get a drink? Right. As the thing unfolds, what are they going to talk about? They're going to talk about her life. They're going to talk about her life. And what's her life like?
1: Well, it's a little bit of chaos, Jim. I mean, you <laughs> a know. A little bit. Well, <laughs> how I'm, many I'm husbands just, I'm has I'm she I'm trying to show some mercy here. <laughs> I mean, you know. Uh, but yeah, and, and once he turns that question to something a little bit more uh, spiritual, sacred, addressing the things that that she was probably not wanting to address when she came at the time that she came because it seems like the Scripture indicates she came at a time when maybe there wouldn't be a lot of other women around or there, wouldn't be, there would be less people there. And sometimes we try to do that, but when we slip into a place where, where people do gather, uh, we can't always predict who's going to be there and what the conversation's going to be. She was trying to figure out how to seek God without telling Jesus really who she was on the inside. But this was the place to do it, and Jesus knew that. So that's why the conversation went the way that it did.
0: Well, she may not have felt comfortable talking to people who already knew her life story right. or people who may think they're better than she is. I mean, there's all kinds of ways in which we have some insecurity or lack of confidence. But bottom line, she gets to the Starbucks, you might say, right. as our metaphor goes, and she somehow is open to a conversation about the fact that she's been married many, many times, more times than could possibly be healthy, and now she's living with a man who's not her husband. This is very important stuff. She is feeling some shame about it. She's not really proud of the course of her life, but something in the space and in the company, the fact that the Spirit of Jesus was right there with her in this meeting place allowed her to kind of come to terms with the journey she's had and what's so remarkable to me is not just that she kind of unloads her story because that's right. an important first step isn't it, it just be honest Yep, yeah. you know what you're right mr jesus right, right i am living with a guy that's not married to me and yeah i've had a lot of relationships and they've been messed up and i'm a mess up that's a first step but she doesn't leave the starbucks without some hope right exactly I mean, <laughs> she's walking out of there thinking "Oh, well, wait a minute My life could be different. I could pick up some pieces here. There are some new ways for me to think about myself and my future. Wait a minute, maybe God
1: actually cares for me. When oh, yeah. I thought, he doesn't have any time for me left. That's, that's, that's one of the biggest points, I think, Jim, is, is we can't overlook the fact that there were some social boundaries in this public place going on as she came. You know, women weren't supposed to talk to men, especially Samaritan women weren't supposed to, to talk to Jewish men. And Jewish men, well, Jesus, right off the bat, broke that boundary. And, and caused something to be different in that space by saying, give me a drink of water. That got her attention. And that's what opened up the conversation. Now, you, as you said, she'd been married four times. She was living with someone that wasn't her husband. There had to be some shame there. And I'm sure back at the village, they all knew that too, that, that this was the woman who'd been married four times and was now living with someone who wasn't her husband. Yet the hope that she found at the well caused her to go back to that village, not with just hear me out, just check this guy out. I'm not sure. No, she went back boldly and said, this is the life giver. So so the shame was kind of taken away because she wanted to share that with her village. And and that's, to me, is something that when you find that true hope, the, the hope of Christ, that no matter what your past is, you're willing to, to go into other social boundaries then where people may already have an opinion of you and your past, but that's not as important anymore because you found true life, the life we find in Christ. Very powerful, and it all happened, as you said, at the Starbucks.
2: Well,
0: she was set free there. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. She was liberated. Right, right. And I think at so many levels, how was she dressed to come to the Starbucks? It probably was not the same dress that she would have if she'd been going to the synagogue. I mean, I see people in Starbucks, that are in all manners of dress. <laughs> right. In a way that they probably wouldn't right. think of if I have to go to a house of worship. Right. Uh, they they're running in between errands or you know. Yes. What's so striking is that Jesus is meeting people where they are. Yeah. And yeah. as they are. No pretense. It's authentic, it's genuine and it's life changing. And that's what I long for. Mm, right. I want to have conversations like that. I want people to hear me and I want to walk away knowing I have hope. In the same way that I think other people are longing for the same kind of connectivity. And that often happens in the marketplace. Maybe that's why Jesus told 45 of his 52 stories uh, about that. Maybe that's why he has 132 moments where he's out on the street in the public. Maybe that's why so much of what we know about Jesus, who has disclosed to us God perfectly... Because Jesus is the exact representation of God in human form. When you see me, he said, you see the Father, maybe that's why he showed himself so often more than any other place out in the Starbucks and in the highways and in the storeways and the marketplaces of his time. And that tells me I need to see every place as sacred, every place as a life-giving opportunity where I can share life and give life, Mm. where I can receive life. Now, Hear me, I'm not saying that going to a house of worship isn't important because once you meet Jesus, and this woman, she met Jesus, he told her at the end of the conversation, I am the Messiah, I'm the sent one, I am the answer. Once you meet Jesus, you wanna gather with other people as a routine, there is one day out of seven set apart different from the rest and you should be gathering with other believers. Uh, Seeking God and worshiping Jesus there, but the point of this conversation is not that that doesn't matter It is that's just a tiny piece of the pie, right? The rest of life is where you also meet Jesus Mm -hmm. and can celebrate him and share him and find him Okay, so we're at Starbucks yes in the time. We've been here Jay. Yeah, I'm thinking there are at least 35 people that have come and gone. That's right. They're walking in yep they're walking out some are hanging around i love being in here because of all the people and they're all coming and going and i want to be in the place where people gather yes and i want to have some courage to not just go to starbucks but to talk to people Mm. not just to isolate but to engage Mm -hmm. and i also want to see it as a place where i can meet other people who are also thirsting for life right you know, wherever you are in life today, whatever your journey, whatever your context, know this. You don't have to wait till this Sunday to find Jesus. You don't have to wait until you can get to church and get all scrubbed up to go to the church of your choice because you think that's what's expected of you to, to make sense out of life. Jesus is everywhere. And right now, I want to invite you to start searching for him. By joining us in a prayer that I think has supernatural power to actually cause you to intersect with someone at the well of your life, just like that woman in Samaria. It can happen now, starting now. So I'm going to ask you to pray with me. We're going to ask God to intervene in the course of your life, in your ordinary places, and to engage you in a conversation that can bring you to a place of liberty. Are you ready? Just pray with us. Father, we're so thankful that you are everywhere at once. And you know all of us at once. And you know us by name. Just like Jesus knew that woman at the well. Even before she came to meet him there, he knew her. And it was not by chance he was there. He was there because he was going to meet her. It was providence. It was the appointment of heaven. It was, in a way, her destiny. And I believe, Lord, that you have that same love and care and interest in all of us as you had in that woman at the well. And whatever our story, whatever our journey, whatever our mess-ups, whatever our failures, no matter what we think is our shame, no matter what other people think about us, help us not to be isolated and stay in our houses, but to get out and be out and about. Maybe go to Starbucks, go to the store, go somewhere. And I'm asking, Lord, for everyone who's joining me in this prayer that is thirsting for some freedom, for some peace, and for some new life, that you will, before seven days pass, meet them in some extraordinary way through the voice, the conversation, or the company of someone they meet out in public somewhere. Mm. I know, Lord, you can answer this prayer. And for everyone who's joining me in it, I pray this will be the outcome. In the next seven days, may they meet someone who can lead them to you. And I pray also, Lord, that all of us who know you and have already met you will find ourselves in a public space with our eyes and our hearts open, Mm. who can we bless? Who can we engage? Thanks for this chance, Lord, to be on air. Thanks for our audience, and thank you for this Starbucks. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, wait a minute, you're thinking, that can't be true. All right, you got some more questions? You want some more understanding? You wanna share some thoughts? We're here by the phone. We want to hear from you 24 hours a day and seven days a week. Dial this number toll free 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. We're by the phone, a live person, a member of our team. We want to hear your voice. Now, Jay, let's say somebody's a little bit intimidated by actually picking the
1: phone up and talking to us. Sure. What else can they do online? They can go online and reach us uh, by typing in www.cbhviewpoint.org cbh
0: Christians Broadcasting Hope that's who we are cbhviewpoint.org you can read about the ministry you can also send an email we will reply and if that's not working for you just send me a letter use the post office address it to Jim Lyon viewpoint post office box 2420 Anderson Indiana 46018 USA but whether you call us up check us out online or use the post please please Let us hear from you this week. All right, Jay. Yes. Before you leave here, I've got to get you some dark chocolate-covered graham crackers. It's
1: it's what I've been thinking about. Okay. You know, Uh, ever since
0: you mentioned it. I know. Well, Jesus gives life, and then right (laughs) after that, there's the the chocolate-covered graham. That's great. Hey, thanks for being with us, Jay.
1: My pleasure, Jim.
0: And we thank you for tuning in. We hope you'll join us again next week as we bring you another little life lesson right here from our favorite Starbucks. Until then, from all of us at the Viewpoint Ministry team... And from all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.